Welcome back to the Love Intently podcast, friends. I'm Sophie Kwok, your host and the founder of Love Intently, where our mission is to empower thriving and intentional relationships. This week, we welcome Rory and AJ Vaden. Together, they co-founded the Brand Builders Group, a personal brand strategy firm where they love to work with individual entrepreneurs and influencers to help them build a rock-solid reputation and connect with their audience and expand their reach. These two are absolute rock stars. AJ is an international speaker, a million-dollar producer, and the co-host of the Rich, Famous, and Influential podcast. She was a part of launching and building a very successful eight-figure coaching and consulting business and has worked with organizations such as Verizon and DirecTV. Rory is a New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs, and as the world's leading expert in reputation design, his insights have been featured on Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNN, Entrepreneur, Inc., on Fox News, national television, and in several other major media outlets. As a world-renowned speaker, his TEDx talk has been viewed over 2 million times. He is a 2x world champion of public speaking finalist, and he was recently named as one of the top 100 speakers in the world on leadership by Inc. Magazine. Those are all pretty big deals and amazing accomplishments. And how I initially found out about Rory is actually through the Lewis House podcast, where he was sharing about his knowledge on brand building and reputation, but I was so fascinated with how we talked about his wife that I just had to get them on uh, to pick his brain on and hear their stories and insights on how they did all that they've done successfully together. They've been working together from before they were even dating and they just have a really interesting story and I can't wait to dive into that. While other couples say that they would never work with their spouse, they say that they are best friends and why wouldn't they? They share all of their secrets with us here today. One other thing about their relationship that we dive into on this episode is how they chose to start building intimacy outside of sex in their relationship. They decided to stop having sex until they were married. And later in life, Rory also talks about how he completely cut off alcohol and how that changed his life. And fun fact, I actually decided to do the same for the end of 2018, um, which I share a little bit in this episode as well. And I plan on doing a separate episode on that experience. And it's really hard to not drink during the holidays. Let me just say that it took a lot of self-discipline, but it was worth it. Whether you're an entrepreneur or somebody that desires to build a business soon in your life, this is an episode you're going to want to listen in on. Because whether or not you build a business with your partner, they give such great insights on how to be such a great cheerleader of your spouse or your significant other. And same if you don't have any desire to be an entrepreneur at all either. They're phenomenal because the advice still applies and those principles don't really change. It's just what you're doing changes. Maybe you are working a day-to-day job or you're a stay-at-home parent or whatever. The principles of how you treat each other and how you support each other still stay the same. So if you are an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur or couple who needs help building their personal brand and finding your unique voice in the market, Rory and AJ want to help you. They want to gift every Love Intently listener a free, yes, you heard that right, a free strategy call. They want nothing in return. All you have to do is go to sophie.thebrandbuildersgroup.com and fill out the form. Again, that's sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E dot thebrandbuildersgroup.com and you get a free strategy call. And I have to say, I did a free strategy call with Kristen, someone who is a phenomenal brand strategist on their team and I have so loved getting to know her and she's been a major help and I actually bring her on the podcast this next week where she shares her story with her husband. They have a very special relationship and I can't wait to share that as well. But again, that is sophie.thebrandbuildersgroup.com and you can find it in the show notes. Okay, 
take it? You're telling the story. <laughs> she saw me and was like, look at that guy's massive yeah. biceps. He must be mine. Yes. I will have him. Slightly, <laughs> slightly different version, but similar. <laughs> so we actually, ironically, uh, we met as business partners. And so when we started our former company, there were two other gentlemen and then Rory and myself. And one of those gentlemen I had grown up with. And on our very first day of starting our business, I had never even met him before, even though we were starting a business together. Um, I remember him walking into the room and I leaned over and I asked my friend at the time, hey, is he single? And he looked at me and he goes, you're not. <laughs> so I, good point. And uh, so for the next year, we were not even really friends. We were mm -hmm. business colleagues. We were acquaintances. But I wouldn't even say we were friends. And it was about a year into starting our business where we both found ourselves single for the first time, um, in my case, for a really long time and you for a couple of years. And that uh, we always tease. It was love at second sight. And so it was truly like I had seen him for the first time and we had already been in business together, working together for a year, kind of broke that cardinal rule. Um, our company was really small at the time. There was like maybe 10 or 12 of us. And so there was a lot of, should we, should we not, should we, should we not? But it was kind of over in that moment. And it was like, no, we're, we're going to. And, and now we've been together just shy of 12 years. Wow. So who made the first move? Well, we kind of, so we went to, <laughs> <laughs> well, so what happened was we were living in different cities and um, literally the first time that we saw each other where we were both single was about a year after we had met and uh, we had been living in separate cities, but we went um, to a Valentine's day charity. It was a charity ball. Mm -hmm. And so we basically started dancing that night and she was on a date with another guy. A really nice guy. That night. He brought her flowers that night and he had brought her to this thing. It was like a big, large group of people of us, but she and I danced together that night. I ended up telling him, sorry, this is going to be our last date for sure. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, this, is, this isn't going to go anywhere. Just letting you know. So that was our last date. <laughs> And then, and then we, a, a couple weeks later, we did like a sort of a follow-up date. Like a first date. And we were, we went to a, a dance club in Atlanta and we were dancing again all night long. And then we were outside and it was dark and it was just the two of us. And I was being a chicken. I was being a, I was being a weenie <laughs> a chicken. because, a chicken. because I was afraid that it was going to be complicated with the company and everything. And AJ delivered the first of what has turned out to be many classic lines. <laughs> and her, and this was, this was the very first line is she said, tell, tell him what you said. Just do it. She said, just do it. And then she kissed me. She said, just do it. And then she kissed me. Hey. And, um, that was, that was how it started. Oh, yeah. So I would definitely say I made, the first, made move. the first move. And then a couple of months later, he even tried to break up with me. And I was like, yeah, no, this no, we're, we're not breaking up. I don't know what you, what you think here, but this is not, we're not breaking up. We're going to make this work. And it's like, you know, and all the ladies out there, it's like, it's hard to find a good man. And I was like, no, like I have found a good man. We're not breaking up. I'm not going back to the dating scene that she I have denied, been in. She denied my breakup request. I was like, no, we're going to need to make this work. And aren't you glad? I'm so glad, yes. <laughs> but, well, and, and it was, uh, you know, AJ was like, I had never experienced, I mean, I had actually had a list. So when I was in college, you know, I was like, my dream woman would be 5'10", with red hair, with a Southern <laughs> accent. And I, I, I literally didn't think that existed. And it's like, she is 5'10 with red hair and a Southern accent. And it was just like, meant to know, be. it was meant to be. And I always had the, the hots, you know, I always thought she was beautiful from the very first time I, I met her, but we, we had been together and then we were sort of, we were both newly broken up. And so anyways, that was, that was how it happened. <laughs> yeah. What made you want to do the initial breakup? And also AJ, were you the type of woman to normally make the first move or was this kind of like the first time that you'd done that? Oh, no, I, I was so, I was always teased in college. I was called the one date wonder. 
because I just, I knew it's like in one day, if you, you have what I want or you don't. So I'm a, a type A, pretty direct, pretty like, this is Very how direct. I <laughs> I know what I want. It's kind of like everything in their place and everything has a place. And that's just my personality. And I was like, I know he wants to do it. And he's a chicken, so let's, like, stop waiting and wasting time here. Get on with it. But why Why did you try to break up with me? Oh, I just, I, I just you know, when you're starting a company, it's risky because it's not just the two of you. It's, it's the whole livelihood of the other people. And, you know, when you're starting a company, it's part of the leader's job is to look out for the livelihoods of the other people. And so that was a real big conflict. You know, I took that very seriously. And, and, the and we were young. So it was young. like, is this yeah, very we're... serious? Yeah. Is this real? I mean, when we started the company, I was 22. So mm-hmm. starting my first company was my first job out of college. And it was, you know, it was like, is this dating? Because if it's just dating, then we can't risk can't it, the yeah. livelihood of everyone that we're starting this company with. And we can't can't risk the business for a fling or for dating. But uh, I knew, I knew super early on that he was rare. Mm. And I was like, yeah, we're just, uh, we're not breaking up. (laughs) You have to work through those issues. (laughs) What made each one of you so special to the other? Like what made it worth fighting through because it was risky it definitely was risky i'll let you i'll let you go first well i want to answer the question when did you know that she was the one because that was that's one of my favorite questions to answer (laughs) so so i'm going to answer that question is that okay sophie yes of course okay because so what happened was i don't know maybe a year after we started dating Mm -hmm. um her brother got married and her brother uh married a woman her name was amanda also which really became confusing because aj was amanda johns and then her sister-in-law got married and so she was also amanda johns which was very confusing for a couple years um but anyways at her brother's wedding at the rehearsal dinner um aj lost her mom when she was 15 years old her mom died very unexpectedly of cancer um they didn't know they didn't have a lot of time to process and and um Anyways, she she was like the central figure in AJ's life, and she always looked up to her. And at her brother's wedding, at the rehearsal dinner, one by one, people came up, and they were talking uh, in their, you know, like they were making toasts to her brother, Jason, you know, congratulations getting married, and they were talking about her mom. And like, oh, your mom would be so proud because of this, and your mom always was this. And they were telling all these stories about how amazing her mother was. And when they were describing her mom, I was literally sitting there going, they're describing AJ. And that was the night. It was at her brother's rehearsal dinner. I was like, I'm going to marry this woman. Um, and we're going to be best friends for life. And I had not, I had always said this rule that I wasn't going to get married until I was 30 years old. Rules. Um, AJ didn't like that rule either. So we broke that one as well. Um, but that was, yeah, that was the night for me. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, to answer your questions, I'll try to answer your questions and not make them my own. <laughs> I was trying to stick to your script, Sophie. Um, but, you know, to me, it was like, you know, for anyone who has been out there dating, it doesn't matter if you've been on three dates or 300 dates, one guy or 20 guys. It's like when you find something special, you know. And it's like everyone always says, how do you know? I don't know. You just know. But what I knew is that I was looking for a man who put God first, uh, even above me, and that they, they, I've never one, not one second, not one minute of our entire relationship have I ever wondered, would he be with another woman? Like, I've never questioned his loyalty, his honesty, I mean, not ever once. And I think there was one time in 12 years that he told a little white lie and he felt so guilty he had to come clean because he couldn't sleep. And it was like something like really silly, like why he didn't call me back after we were married. You know, do you remember that? Yeah, it was I was, like really I was driving. Tiny. I think I was, I was driving <laughs> and, and she was like, she was like, uh, I had called her. I was supposed to meet her and I was, and it was like, why are you late? 
and I, and it was, it was like, Oh, I was late because a call ran long. And then I hung up and I was like, I totally just lied to her. And I called her back. Cause like, no, actually I was late because I was sitting on the couch watching the last part of a game or something. Was so, it was like so, that, so but I felt so bad because it was the first time I had lied to her. And it was like three years in, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I just lied to her like flat out. It was small <laughs> lie, but it was black and white. Like this was a, a, a direct lie. And I was, I just felt really bad about that because if you, if you, if you can, I, I think, you know, as I think about relationships, it's not so much, uh, you know, I think people think of a relationship as like more about sex and, you know, or passion or that. And I think it's, it's more about service and friendship and, um, trust and, and trust loyalty, and loyalty. Yeah. And, and it's like, you, you want to be best friends. Um, then you don't lie to your best friend. Like you just, you can't, you, you can't lie. So not that, ideally. That was a, mm-hmm. But I think that's a big part of it. It's like I've never not trusted him ever. And I think the second part is like to his point, like he really is my best friend. Like out of maybe outside of now our little one, <laughs> he's, the, he's the number one person that I would want to hang out with. And I think part of that is we do the same stuff. And it's like he does girly stuff and I'll do dude stuff. It's like we've been watching March Madness, <laughs> which is fine. But then he also loves to go to the spa and get pedicures and, you know, it's like, it's, yeah, I'm just it's, saying, you know, like I really <laughs> fall in love with manicures and pedicures. It, it's, it has a bad rap among the male community, but I tell you, once you do a few of them, you get hooked and it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Man, that's a big deal. Cause it's like, we never have girl time and guy time. It's just, it's us time. And we mm-hmm. do those things together and we've rather learned to enjoy those things or we've been open to those things, but Trust and friendship. Those are the two big things. Yeah. I think that's really incredible, Rory, because when we start lying about the little things, we let them grow. And so the fact that you could even recognize in that moment and call it out, I think that's so powerful. And not a lot of people do that. Um, That kind of leads me to my next question around maintaining a healthy business, marriage, and family is no easy feat. And you guys did it from the jump. You guys were already in business together before you started dating. What have been some of the most helpful things in navigating those different stages uh, together? Are there boundaries or habits or practices you guys have put into place? Yes. Yeah, that has been an evolution because, you know, just so the, the background, like we started as business partners, we started a company, we exited that company, we grew, grew that company for 12 years, we exited that company almost a year ago. And now we started a new company together. To, together. And now we're the only we're the only two founders yeah. in this in this business. We have other partners, but it's, we're the two founders. So it's it's been an evolution mm-hmm. over. Yeah, and I know you probably have some things to share, but I think one of the number one things that we've always been committed to that has released pressure and strain and stress on both our personal lives and our business lives is we've always worked debt free. So mm. money has never been an issue, not because we're rolling in it. It's because we do things debt free, both professionally and, and personally. And it's like, there's plenty of things for us to disagree on or even argue on, but it's never money. Never been money. So it never elevates to a crisis mode or a, what are we going to do mode or anything? Because we've always lived below our means. Um, but more than that, it's like there's always been a surplus in savings because of the way we've made choices, again, both in our business and in our personal lives. And so a lot of the things that we do end up disagreeing on are somewhat simplistic, somewhat yeah, they're insignificant, they're insignificant really. because we've kept some of those other things in check, which makes everything just work a little bit easier. The stress never gets as high. The pressure is never as high. And I think that makes a really big difference when you do have that meshing of nine to five, because there is no nine to five when you're in business together Uh, as an entrepreneur and especially as a married couple, that those lines don't exist. It's like work creeps into dinner, work creeps into Sunday afternoon. Uh, That's just how it goes. And so to make sure that the conversations are more about visioneering and dreaming and building and growing versus we can't pay the bills. That has made an entire difference in our ability to enjoy what we do, enjoy doing it with each other, and never really put a big strain on the relationship. 
yeah. and there's lots of other little things that we've done. Yeah, well. there's lots of little ones that there's there's to me there's two big decisions thinking back on this. Um, you know, so so my like my philosophy has always been one or you know like our first book was called Take the Stairs. So that was the the you know the the big kind of worldwide more recognized book. And that's a metaphor for doing things that other people aren't willing to do. And in our relationship, there were two big decisions that we made that I think most couples don't make that have truly set our marriage on a completely different trajectory. One was getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. And we, we made a decision that we weren't going to get married until we were debt free uh, with everything except the cars um, at that point. And so all the credit card debt, though, and everything we school debt, we, school debt, we we paid all that off. You know, we followed Dave Ramsey's total money makeover plan, like Financial Peace University, money and envelopes, um, and it we works. we did that whole thing like to a T for a couple of years, and that was a really bonding experience and transformational experience for just you know your attachment to stuff. The other thing that we did was we had had sex, and then we had been going to church together. And uh, AJ, one time she brought up to me, she's like, hey, I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord that we should stop doing this. And I had been feeling some of the same promptings. And so we agreed to stop having sex until we were married. So it was like we didn't we didn't wait per se, but we we said, you know what, we're going to wait. Um, And then it was after that point. It was basically a year later we got engaged and then a little less than a year later we got married. So it was almost two yes. years um, after that point. And it was transformational. And, and, you know, people have lots of different philosophies on this. But here is, here is one thing is that, you know, sex adds complexity to a relationship. It just does. Um, and when you're trying to figure out if you're going to spend your life with somebody, if you come from the standpoint of going, okay, I want to spend my life with someone who's my best friend, who I really trust, who I love being around. Mm -hmm. And if, if the foundation is like, this is someone I genuinely enjoy being around because we're going to be, we're going to be together the rest (laughs) of my life. If you go, okay, anything that takes away from the clarity of, of, be, of, of being able to be clear on whether or not you truly enjoy being around this person complicates it. And so you take sex out of the equation and what are you left with? You're left with a true like relationship of getting to know each other and spend time with each other. And it becomes really apparent as to whether or not you, you really get along with this person and, or and, enjoy them. Or really enjoy them, right? Versus like, what are we doing at the physical? And, and you know, I'd, I'd heard this phrase at some point from a mentor that that women play at sex to get love and men play at love to get sex. And, you know, that's not always true, but I think in a lot of ways that that, that, that is generally is kind of a, a true up. thing. Um, and so you take that out of the equation and it just really – really made a big difference. So in our relationship, those were healthy decisions in terms of the work life balance thing. Um, that's been hard always, particularly for me, like my work brain just does not shut off. But over the years we we've, we have created some boundaries. Um, like one that we have now, because now we have a two year old is when our son is around, we don't talk work and we don't, we don't have cell phones. So no phones. So no phones. Um, but one thing we did for years that really did help is we had designated designated work nights and then designated date nights. And I know probably a lot of people talk about that or have heard about that, but it was really transformational for us to have. In addition to a weekend, we had Wednesday night date nights and then Tuesday night was a work night. Mm-hmm. So it was like we just planned in advance, like you're on your own for food, get takeout, make your own. But Tuesday night we worked. And we needed to. And then Wednesday night, we always, um, this is something that we did, is we bought tickets in advance to things because we knew that if we didn't, Wednesday night would roll around and we'd be like, oh, let's just stay home or I'm tired or I've got to do this. And so we would buy concert tickets, movie tickets, make reservations in advance, uh, plan double dates to hold us accountable to keeping up with that. Actually going. To keeping up with that date night. Now, again, I know a lot of people probably have heard that, but 
hearing it, trying it, and doing it are really different things when it comes to how do you keep that balance between working together and living together. And I think in our, you know, we had the, the in terms of our, our schedule, how that adjusted, you know, when we met, we were 23. So it was like we were working and partying and that was basically it. And then, you know, things evolved. The company got bigger. We were focused on getting debt free. So we were working a lot, but we always had, you know, a date night, Wednesday night in the middle of the week. As the company started to grow, you know, we started to save a little more money and like, um, and then basically kind of once we got to the point where like, the, you know, pretty much the house was paid off, then we sort of shifted to say, okay, now we, we don't work at nights um, and we don't work on the weekends. It's very rare now that we catch ourselves needing a work night. Um, I think it's because Mammy, we're so tired because we have a toddler. A toddler. <laughs> and, and, and AJ's pregnant, you know, we're, we have another yes. baby coming in. But I think weeks. too, it's like there's stages of your relationship and business, just like, like we liken it a lot once we have a kid. It's like you've got infancy stages of your business where it requires your attention all the time, just like an infant does. Like they need you all the time. But as I get a little bit older and as a toddler, it's like, okay, he's sleeping through the night. He doesn't need me as much, still needs me, depends on me. But it's a little bit different, getting a little independent. Then they get into their middle school years and now they're off of school and you've got more time. And then in their teenage years, and it's like, you see that same thing happen in your business where it's like, it needs all of your attention, all of your focus. But then gradually things become a little bit more self-sustaining and a little bit more independent. And we're really grateful that as we've started this second business, um, we were able to start it not in an infancy level, but more like upper top. And that's where, again, where the money, the money makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Is, you know, money compresses time or money buys time. And so this time around, we've been able to to save for a lot, you know, a lot of years and we've been really wise with that. And so we're able to have a team. Um, and that's, you know, that gives you a different lifestyle. So if you don't have the money, you got to put in the work. Uh, and then, but you got to be, if you put in the work, be disciplined about saving the money so that then you have the money and you move through these seasons and things get easier and easier and easier and better and better and better. And most people's lives kind of work the opposite. They don't save, they're not disciplined. They, they maybe get into a marriage that they shouldn't have gotten into and things start to get harder and harder and harder. Uh, you know, and, and so it's, it's really about that trajectory. What has been one of the hardest parts of your relationship and marriage together? And how did you guys move past it? There have been no hard parts, Sophie. This is just a <laughs> marriage of bliss, which is why we're interviewed here on the Love and Tender yes, Podcast. we are the first official couple of all time. <laughs> never had a hard time. Um, I would say over the last 12 years, the really the hardest thing for us when it came to like working together and being married was travel. Uh, we had insanely intense travel schedules independently of each other. Um, there were years where you know he was traveling 200,000 miles a year. I was traveling 120,000 miles a year separately. And uh, we actually had to put some rules in place for a couple of years that if we were both traveling more than five days apart, one of us would have to fly to the other one just to get a night together. We would run, we would rendezvous somewhere <laughs> in the Midwest. It was actually kind of exciting. It's like, hey, I'll meet you at the Holiday Inn in, in Dubuque, North Dubuque, Dubuque <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, very <laughs> exciting. Very exciting. Um, but that was really hard. And uh, there was just, it's like you start living life separately. It's like, okay, well, I'll go to this birthday party and then I'm gone. And so you do this and, you show up at that dinner thing and, and it was it was starting to feel like you were living a separate life. And it's like I like long distance is hard, but it's like when you're trying to do it and see each other and work and you just your ships in the night. And that went on for a very long season yeah. of many years. And I think the the best and again, that's why I said one of the most important things to me was trust. It's like if you're not with someone that often, <laughs> you better trust them. And they better trust you. And that was a really big part of it. And I think one of the ways that we made it through was like, at this point, we're going to spend the money, travel to come see me. That's like, it was no longer. Or come with me. If one of you is going, it's like, we're going to, we're going to invest the money to come with me so that I can be with you. And that's a perk of 
being in business together as much as it's a challenge because if I had or he had a job that didn't allow that flexibility, I don't know what we would have done. But because we were in business together, it's like, all right, you pick up and you come with me to San Diego or I'll pick up and I'll come with you to Houston. Um, I think both of us preferred California or Florida trips or Hawaii or Mexico more than Iowa or North Dakota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think a part of it is it's making it an adventure. And, and so we worked virtually a lot and we weren't home a lot, which means we missed a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. We missed a lot of weddings, a lot of birthdays, a lot of friend time, a lot of family time. But we didn't miss each other time. We yep. worked really hard at that and invested the money. Um, even when we were hesitant to, it's like, no, nope, book the flight, book the hotel, let's make a weekend of it, get your butt on the plane and get out here. I'll tell you one red flag on this travel thing that's important is I was sitting next to a plane on, on a guy on a plane one time yeah. and uh, he just started unloading on me about how he had screwed his whole life up. And he basically said, look, you know, your marriage is in trouble when you prefer to be away from home than to be at home. He said, the moment you say, no, I'm not going to try to make that earlier flight uh, or yes, I'm going to, I'm going to volunteer to take that extra trip. Um, Or also for the person at home where it's like, if you say, gosh, when dad's home, the whole schedule is screwed up because we're just in a better flow without him. And now he's interrupting things. When you get to that point, your marriage is in trouble. You you need to have some, some talks and, so travel was a challenge. Another one that AJ didn't say, but you know, reflecting back for me, I can say was um, there was a there was a there was a bad habit that I had in my life where I was a I would be a jerk, um, <laughs> and it was there was one time I could look back and almost I, I don't have a ton of regrets in my life. Like I I've tried to live with a lot of foresight, but. I could look back and say every single mistake that I had ever made that I regretted, I was drunk. Um, and also, in many cases, there were a couple people that I was around um, that, you know, were just like, when these episodes would happen, this is what was going on. Instigators. Um, and it was, a, it, was, it was a big wake-up call for me to go, you know, similar to that, like, I don't want to, you know, when you realize you want to be home, where I was like, Gosh, I have more fun when I'm drunk. And when I realized that, that was a big startling, like, hey, something's wrong there. Where it's like, so being drunk is having more fun. Like, is that the life I want to live where I, I have to be drunk to be having to be living my greatest mm-hmm. life? Um, and then I was looking back and going, gosh, the only time I'm an ass is when I'm obliterated. Um, and it, it wasn't that often, but it was it was enough to be like, this is a real thing. And then, you know, I, I remember just the night that AJ told me we were pregnant. Um, you know, she was like, well, she's not going to drink for you know the pregnancy. I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to stop drinking. And now ja- our, our son is, is over two years old and I just never picked it back up. And that's almost three years. Almost three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a huge, it's just been a huge thing. It's also been like, you know, the whole thing about not having sex in a relationship simplifies things. It forces you to get to know the person. Alcohol was very similar for me personally was I had to re I needed to relearn who I was and I had to redetermine what does fun and joy look like in my life without alcohol. And, you know, I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit that like I'm the guy who wrote the book on self-discipline and, you know, yet that was a thing, but that, that was a big growth area that has also had a major positive impact on our marriage I think and too, money. And, you know, it has a lot of good positive impact. And I think too, for anyone who's listening, it's like, you may think to yourself, well, I don't drink that much. When Rory was talking about, I didn't get drunk that often. He was talking about two or three times a year. And so it, it wasn't even that often, but even that was enough to go. I would drink more than that, but I would really get really, really drunk like a few times a year. And that's when I was acting like an an idiot. You would get in trouble. Um, AJ would say I would get in trouble. (laughs) trouble. One night I woke up and and she kept me alive on on, (laughs) Triscuits the night before. Otherwise I would have died. 25. And and I looked over at her and she said, you were a very, very bad boy last night. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, that's not what I said. I said you were misbehaving. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were misbehaving last night. <laughs> the other night. one sounds a little too kinky. Yeah. <laughs> I said you were misbehaving last night. Misbehaving. <laughs> that's what actually happened. Uh, but I think, again, it's like for, for people out there who are listening that are going, well, I travel a lot, but it's not too much, or I don't really drink too much. It's like, what's too much? Mm-hmm. I think those are just the defining lines of saying, well, this is too much for this relationship or for me or for my marriage or for my family. And you got to figure that and out. Don't let someone out. else. It's not about someone else telling you it's, but it's about you going in your heart. Like, is this causing a problem? Is this an issue? Is this, mm-hmm. is this who I really want to be? Is this my best self? And that's the other thing when you look, mm-hmm. you know, if you look to the person you're going to marry, you want to marry somebody who brings out the best in you. And you want to marry somebody who you want to be your best for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember, I think, Sophie, you, you met us or heard about us from being on the on Lewis Howe's podcast. I was on that podcast recently. He's been, he's a good friend of mine. And um, he's one of our, our clients that we've, we've done a lot of work with and business, you know, we do a lot of business with each other. Um, but Lewis, I remember when Lewis told me he didn't drink alcohol that was like, wow, like here's this really cool guy and this is a decision that he's made and, and he does it just like for performance. And we have another friend as a Navy SEAL and he's like, you know, you just never know when when you're going to need to defend yourself or when you're going to have to run from be something, alert. just be alert. And it's like, you know, and if I'm drunk, I'm not able to defend my family, whatever. So anyways, like, you know, these high performance people just going, they, they made some decision that said, I'm not operating at my best. I'm not in my peak state. And that's happening. Well, I feel the same way about the debt thing. It's like you can't operate in your peak state when you're stressed out about money. Um, You can't enjoy the gifts of a marriage or a business um, if that's all you can think about. And that's no different from Rory. But it's little, they're little micro decisions in the moment that turn out to be really macro decisions over the long term. And those have made a very big difference in our business our family, and in our marriage. I actually stopped drinking for five or so months at the end of 2018 because of your episode with Lewis House. It just brought awareness. It like gave me permission to take a break, but also brought awareness to that I was reaching for alcohol, for that emotional comfort, for the social security. And um, my friend called it social lubricant and I didn't want that. Like I wanted to be able to enjoy a glass of wine with my steak, but I didn't want it to be something I became dependent on. And this leads me to my next question of something I've noticed is that every healthy, thriving couple is comprised of two people that did their own work. And I was curious as to what resources or things that you've read or events that you've been to that have impacted your own personal growth journey the most? I mean, I can think of a ton. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I am not only an author like speaker and now we're in the business of, of helping people become authors and speakers and you know, all that. Um, but I'm a, I am a self-help junkie. Like first and foremost, I am a student. And uh, I mean, when I think of big time relationship stuff, obviously the five love languages from Dr. Gary Chapman is, is a, is a no brainer. You have to, you have to do that. I think about um, landmark was huge for me in terms of relationships and communication. I think both of us really, really thrive and enjoy conferences, speakers, books, learning podcasts, church, church, church is huge. And, And this is another, another little ditty that we heard that we've practiced that's made a big difference is those who pray together, stay together. Mm-hmm. Um, praying is a big part of our life. It's a big part of our life. And it's, yeah. it, you know, it's interesting. I remember when I was first, like I was dating a girl, the first time a girl ever brought that up to me, I was like, Whoa, that's weird. That's so freaking weird. It felt so weird to me. And then did it one time. I was like, that is weird. And here's what I realized. The reason it's weird is because praying is extremely intimate, like beyond sex praying is perhaps the the next most intimate behavior that you will ever encounter with another person and it's it's just extremely intimate and it's so it's very it's very bonding so i think you know for the history of our relationships we've always done a ton of self-help stuff but 
I would say for me, there's two things. One's very personal and one's very business, but they kind of grow and it's, it's having a dedicated community that you meet with on a regular basis. So I'm in a, a women's, it's Christian specific, it's a Bible study, um, but more than that, it's a community of women. We're all married, we have young kids, and we meet every Sunday night. And that has been absolutely a necessity for whether it's bumps in the road of a marriage or challenges at work or confusion of what to do with your kids, but it's having not just a community, but a dedicated time that you meet with that community on a regular basis. And, and you know, for this particular case, we meet every Sunday night for about 90 minutes and it's a place to unload and it's a place to lift each other up. And it's to have a like-minded community for your marriage, for your business, for your family, for your kids has been instrumental um, as a woman and to have that with women. But then I'm also in the same kind of concept. I'm in a group with EO entrepreneurs organization for business where we meet once a month and it's more dedicated to the work side, but it's also great to have that it's a mixed group. So there's men and women. We still talk about family, kids, marriage, work, but it's dedicated time outside of the home, outside of your business with other people that believe in you, love you, invest in you, are willing to give their insights, their experiences to help you and vice versa. And those are two things that I do on a super regular basis and have for years that make an extraordinary difference in good times and in bad times. So in addition to books and conferences and learning and podcasts, which is all good and helpful, uh, those are two things that have been really important and even more important probably in the last two years than ever before uh, for me personally. But as a marriage and a business and now as a mom, those things have been game changers, dedicated time with a very specific community. I would love for the two of you to share a bit about your new business, the Brand Builders Group. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about it and what you guys do? Yeah. So it's a personal brand strategy firm. And uh, so what does that mean? So a lot of people think about branding and marketing um, and they think about companies. Where we're really unique in this space is we don't work with companies. Uh, we work with individuals. Now, tons of those individuals own companies. They're executives in companies. They're entrepreneurs. They're speakers. They're authors, athletes, dentists, doctors, whatever it may be. But we work with the individual themselves. And so we do everything from really helping them discover, you know, what, what do they want to be known for in the marketplace and we take them through a very specific uh, methodology and how do you find your uniqueness. And a lot of the people we work with, um, they have a message. So they're really passionate about being a speaker or an author, or they want to create a video course, or they want to build their online presence, or they just want to be better known in their industry or their, lo their like geographic location. Like I, I need to increase my presence in Nashville. So can you help me become more well-known for this expertise, and uh, we do that really specifically for individuals. You want to add on? Uh, no, I mean I think that's that's it. Yeah, we're a personal strat brand strategy firm for entrepreneurs and influencers, and we help them build their influence and their income and their impact. And I think that's important. And like a lot of people go strategy, like what does that mean? It's like, well, it's typically the things that people want to skip over. <laughs> like most people think about branding and marketing and they think about social media sites and your website and, um, you know, building funnels and ad spend. And it's like, well, there's a whole lot of strategy work that has to happen before anyone gets to see all of that. And I would say a lot of people want to skip that and then realize when this isn't working over here, why not? Well, why, why don't I have an increased follower base? Why are these funnels not working? Why am I not getting more visitors from my website? Why is my revenue not growing? And it's like, well, you have a disconnected message. Your message doesn't make sense. It's not clear. You haven't identified what problem you solve. You haven't identified what market you serve. And that's all the hard thinking strategy work that people don't do. And they jump right into the more aesthetic Things. It's interesting, the parallel, just as you're talking, I'm thinking about between relationships and personal branding. <laughs> it's like in a relationship, someone, they just want to like meet a mate and like go, go and, and they don't do the, the deep work of figuring out who the they are, they. what do they believe, 
And that's like, that's kind of the deep work that we do with a person is we help them figure out their identity, find their uniqueness. We help them, you know, get, get really clear on their positioning in the marketplace and what is their true expertise and who do they serve. And people want to skip past that work and they want to go, let's build a funnel and let's make money in our sleep. And then it, when it breaks down and it doesn't work, they're like, why, why, why isn't this working? It's because they, they haven't done that work. Yeah. Very parallel to a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically. Uh, but that's what we do. And that's our passion. It's, it's doing the, the nerdy strategy stuff. And we do have a few couples, which is interesting. Cause we, we, we love working we, with couples. We, we, we work with some really, uh, we have a couple power couples that uh, we have worked with. It's a, it's a very Always different a fun dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Couples because, you know, and like AJ and I have our own sort of separate personal brands, but then brand builders group is like, you know, our, our joint brands. So I would say speak. anyone who has ever said to me, I just don't know how you work with your spouse. My automatic response has always been for more than a decade. I don't know how you don't work with your spouse. And I think part of that is that mentality of it's like, if they're really your best friend and you've done all this hard thinking work, and you've done this hard work. It's like, why wouldn't you want to spend more time with them? Why wouldn't you want to build with them, grow with them, learn with them, learn from them? Um, and I think those are all unique things that we get to help individuals do, rather as couples or individuals. But it's doing all the, you know, it's working on the business versus in it. It's working on your brand versus in it and uh, working on your marriage versus in it. Those are all the things that we we have done and we've had great mentors. And, uh, and now we're getting to uh, give back and do the same. Rory and AJ, where should people go if they want to connect with you or learn more about what you're doing with Brand Builders Group? Yeah. So um, thank you, Sophie. So super simple. Um, here's what we actually do. We would love to just talk with anyone who wants to build their personal brand, like whether it's you or a couple, typically it's an individual person. Um, and we actually do a first call free. We do what's called a brand strategy call. And if you go to sophie.thebrandbuildersgroup.com, so Sophie, like S-O-P-H-I-E dot thebrandbuildersgroup.com, there is a special form there. You can fill it out and we'll connect you with a strategist on our team. We'll get to know you personally, try to hear your vision and we'll, help where we can. yeah, we'll help where we can. And you know, one way or another, if we can't help you, we'll point you in a good direction. And this leads me to my last question of what does love or love intently mean to you? Oh, if you got something, go. I'm like, I, I, I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I said I, I I said this a little bit earlier that I think that um, love gets often misinterpreted as just like passion or sex. Although I think passion and sex are great, you know, they're the great parts of love. I think a more synonymous word with love would be service. Um, and I think of that, you know, love for us at least is defined pretty clearly. Um, biblically, you know, in First Corinthians 13, in terms of the word, just that word, love. In fact, we, we do this in Jasper, he's our son, his affirmations every night as we took that, that verse, First Corinthians 13, and we boiled it down into these 11 characteristics of what says, you know, love is patient, love is kind, it does not boast, it does not envy, that whole thing. And so it's patient, kind, courageous, or sorry, confident, humble, gentle, selfless, calm, um, forgiving, honest, courageous, faithful, optimistic, and perseverant. But, you know, I would capture all that as love is service. Love is serving the other person. It's not this, like this attraction, this feeling that is always there. It's a decision and a commitment to put a child or a spouse or a business partner or a friend you know, to put their needs as, as high as your own and to be committed to serving them. Yeah, I think that's important. As high as your own, but not before you. Um, so he answered love, so I'll answer the love intently. What does love intently I mean to you? And, you know, from the base word of intention, I think it just means choice. But you've got to make choices to love your partner. And that could be a friend, child, spouse in this case. But those are intentional choices that you have to be on the lookout for every single day to not just say I love you, but to show I love you. And I think that comes with 
uh, a lot of, in my, in my world, I wouldn't count it as self-sacrifice, but more of the gift of getting to make the choices that is going to make somebody else feel good. And those choices could be to stop and say, hey, I just want to hear about how your day was, or it could be more intentional with a gift or a celebration or a trip or whatever. But it's making that intention of choosing to do the things that would make that other person feel loved. And I think, I think we've learned more about this in the last two years with our son than probably in the last decade of being married. But it's like my goal for my son every day is to make sure that he knows that he is wanted and that he is needed and that he is loved. And that does not come from me saying the words, I love you. That comes from time and choices and intention. And it's like, as long as he knows that he's wanted and needed and loved, and the same for him, as long as he knows he's wanted and needed and loved, I'm doing my job. But in order for them to feel that way, I've got to make very specific choices in my day and my routine to make sure that that happens. So that is love intently. Thank you so much for listening, friends. It is seriously such a honor to be in your ears every week, and it means the world to me that you listen. And so if you haven't yet, it would mean the world to me if you could take a minute to leave a review on iTunes. You just hit five stars and written reviews really help other people find us and help us out with rankings. Uh, Apple Podcasts really likes ratings and reviews, so thank you. And last but not least, again, I just want to remind you that if you are an entrepreneur or couple who wants help building their personal brand, or maybe you're having a hard time finding your unique voice in the market, Rory and AJ want to gift you a free strategy call with somebody on their team. All you have to do is fill out the form at Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E dot thebrandbuildersgroup.com. And again, the link will be in the show notes. They are going to be so thrilled to talk to each one of you. I say this all the time, but I really believe that every single one of you has a unique story and purpose. And some of you will start businesses and feel that unique calling in you. And so don't wait. Let them help you. Let them spark something in you and they want nothing from you. This is a free strategy call, so you really have nothing to lose. Thanks again, friends. It was such a blast to do this interview. I have admired both of them and their work so much, and it's really fun to just hear their dynamic and their relationship. Until next time, with love and intention.